Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey guys, so welcome back to another episode of Creative Source with Andy Osho. This is the podcast about creativity for creatives. And um, this is a continuation of the conversation around money. It's mad. Like when I started to put this episode together, well, what I thought was going to be one episode, I realized there is so much to talk about. It's such an important issue, especially for us as creatives who don't always have a fixed income or even a regular income or an income at all. So we started last week just laying the foundations, just talking about really what money is and getting and starting to, I guess, unearth our attitudes towards money, how we feel about it, how what part it's played in our lives. Does it flow in the way that we that we want it to? Do we have enough? Do we want more? Do we feel guilty about it? It's such a huge topic. So I, I started off thinking, oh, this this will be one episode. I'm like, all right, maybe, yeah, maybe I'll have to split it into two. Oh, uh, no, this looks like three. I think this is going to be four parts. I genuinely do. So let's just say the first one was just money, our history with money. Let's call it that, right? Now um, I want to talk about money as an investment. I'm trying to make it so vaguely chronological in the sense that we start with where we're at, what we want to create, how we're going to get it and what we're going to do when we've got it, right? So I think that's how these four episodes are going to play out. So let's start by talking about investment. So when I first started acting, I was, as I said in the previous episode, broke, brokeity, broke, broke, broke. No money because I was doing all these like survival jobs 
literally earning sort of four or five quid an hour or something like that. Eight, maybe if I was, if I got a particularly sort of generous, <laughs> a generous sort of part-time contract with somebody. And I wasn't really earning money from the work that I was doing. But there was a requirement to make investments. And FYI, sorry, you know, I said at the beginning of the last episode, I was excited and I didn't say what, and I said I was going to say it later. I thought that the later was going to be in that episode, but because these have expanded out, the later is actually this episode. So what I'm excited about is that one of my investments is a new microphone. (laughs) So that's why I was saying, like, maybe some of you guys can, um, the more technically minded can hear uh, a slight difference between the um, microphone I was using before, which was great. It was a Yeti microphone that's really super easy to use. You just plug straight into your computer. But this one is like a proper fancy one. It was dollars. Let me tell you guys, I won't go into deets, but it was dollars. And I bring this up, not just in the hope that you can tell the difference. (laughs) God, I hope so. But uh, I'm also still getting used to it. So apologies if the sound is a little poppy uh, in places, but I'm getting used to how far from it I need to be and the setting levels and stuff. Anywho, you don't need to know that. The reason I bring it up is because in our businesses, I would say that probably a lot of us have to make investments. We have to invest in kit, which is me buying this microphone and I um, bought a little audio interface as well. I'm so proud of myself. I don't understand a lot of technology, but I was proud of myself for figuring this out with a lot of help from uh, the suppliers. I won't name them because that's like a free ad. (laughs) They didn't give it to me for free, that's for sure. Anyway, so um, yeah, we have to make investments in our craft before we even know whether those investments are going to pay off as a return. We have to buy kit. We have to get training. We have to organize services. We have to buy materials. And all of that stuff is an investment. This is us essentially making a calculated risk at the start of our career as to how how is this going to play out? Now, hopefully we we can be smart about this. And, you know, so for example, say you wanted to start a podcast from a standing start, you wouldn't necessarily go and buy the microphone that I just bought unless you were flush, you know, and you had loads of spare cash, you could start with the Yeti, which is like a hundred quid or whatever. And it's really easy to use because you can just plug straight into a computer. But whatever, wherever we want to start with the type of investment we make in ourselves as creatives, it's pretty much guaranteed that we are going to have to make some sort of financial outlay at the start of our career. And ongoingly, irregardless of whether there is any return coming back on that investment. And that's sort of thrilling because I found that thrilling, but also terrifying. But like I said in the previous episode, where our money goes shows where we're serious or what we are serious about. Because if you're not serious about your craft, you will shy away from making those investments, even if it's just about getting a decent computer. Do you know what I mean? Because sometimes that is the type of investment that you'll need to facilitate the work that you want to do. It's just being able to just have a, <laughs> a laptop that fires up on demand rather than five or 10 minutes later. That's what I had when I started out. I was like, this doesn't work. I need to be able to get onto my laptop and do certain things. Um, even as an actor, you know, a lot of the materials that you need are provided, i.e. when you turn up for an acting job, you get your wardrobe and makeup and all the rest of it supplied. But a lot of times we are having to buy and invest in things that are not supplied. So in terms of kit, 
nowadays, particularly we are still in a lockdown at the time of recording, um, we need some kind of home video capturing equipment because we have to make self-tape auditions to send in. So you ideally you want a decent camera. If you really want to go for it, you need a decent mic as well. <laughs> Microphones. <laughs> I know where you can get decent microphones. You know, so we have to make that um, investment. We also maybe have to buy certain clothes. When I was in the States, for sure, they really wanted you to, to really um, make a suggestion towards the type of role that you were auditioning for. They didn't, like if you were auditioning for nurse, they didn't literally want you turning up in scrubs, but you had to have something that suggested nurse rather than, you know, some other professional, some other type of character. So you have to make those sorts of investments. As actors, we have to make investments in our training. And there's loads of other disciplines that, that are the same. I mean, even with stand-up, I did a stand-up comedy course and that was an investment in my future. So we make a lot of outlays up front in the hope that that will A, qualify us, but also prepare us and make us a more viable option for the future, for either to people to buy what it is we're creating, to hire us to provide a particular service, you know, be the acting services, some sort of performance thing, something, um, some, some writing uh, sort of services or something like that, whatever it may be, we have to make those uh, upfront investments. And when you're serious about your work, you'll make some um, smart choices about what those investments are. Because we're investing in our craft, we're investing in our career, and we're investing in our future. That's what those investments really are about. 2003 was when I finally quit working in post-production. So I left my kind of freelance role and decided that because it was just not conducive with trying to get acting work, I had to leave it behind and go for those more survival jobs that, that allowed a little bit more space for me to go to auditions and stuff like that. So first two years, definitely ran at a loss. I was definitely laying out way more cash than I was getting in. And none of very little, I would say, of the cash that I was getting in was actually coming from acting anyways. Mainly it was coming from being on a reception desk and doing my dreaded, awful tequila girl job, which is like hands down the worst job I've ever had. Um, <laughs> but that's a story for another day. So yeah, I ran at a loss, but my commitment was that this is going to pay off. This this investment is going to work out. And at some point I'm going to somehow claw back this money through earning, doing the thing that I really I've set out to do, which is to, at that time was just to be an actor. Sometimes if you have the resources, sometimes the investment is literally just stepping away, not just make it sound like it's no big deal, but stepping away from your job to honor the, the calling, the creative calling that you have. So I know people who have had, you know, pretty regular fixed income jobs who have just said, you know what, I'm going to back myself essentially, because that's what it is. I'm going to say, use my savings to support myself as I build up my, um, competency in this area so that I can go for it or, or, well, yeah, just so I can go for it. So, um, that is another form of investment is making the room. So getting yourself a financial buffer so that you can make the room to just back yourself. Say, I am so, 
certain or I have belief in myself that this is going to work out, that I'm willing to stake this savings and have that be my living expenses until this commitment that I am in the world starts to generate an income for myself. Oof, that's a big investment. At the end of 2012, and I've spoken about this in various different conversations, but um, at the end of 2012, I was sort of at the peak of my success as a stand-up comedian. I was also acting as well, but no one really knew about that stuff because I think the the stand-up was more front and centre. I was doing things like Live at the Apollo and Mock the Week and things like that. And I was at one point incredibly, like I was suffering from severe depression, basically. And I just had this feeling I need to change everything up. I need a break. So that's when I went to LA. And uh, while I was there, I just had this sense that I could really get something from being here. And a friend of mine, he said, and I think this is probably a little while into me being there. He just said, yeah, you're, you're backing yourself. And I'd never heard that term before, but that's exactly what I was doing. Cause I basically took my savings and I went over this, like not knowing how this thing was going to play out. I had no clue. I was kind of starting from scratch and eventually um, I started to get some, you know, make some headway, get an agent, um, start to, or a manager actually, because there's a difference over there. Started to get work and obviously things like Lights Out and Shazam and Finding Carter and doing the Late Late Show and things like that. That all started to happen. But it was all out of a central commitment to just back myself and just see and it's scary. And may I say as well, because that may sound like thrilling and exhilarating to, to some folks, and to some it will sound scary. And I think the people who are sensing the scariness of it is, you're right, it is, because it sounds, it all worked out. But I can say that in hindsight, at the, at the time, I was really just lost. As, you know, on Skypes to my mum saying, God, I, I know I'm meant to be here, but I don't know why. And I don't, I, it's not working out and I don't know what I should do next. And, you know, just watching the savings dwindle and then having to come back to the UK to, to do work to earn money, which is where super shoppers fitted into the story. So backing yourself is no small thing. It is a massive, massive investment and a very bold risk but one that can pay off. And the more true you are to it, the more likely it is to pay off. Obviously, there are no guarantees. But if it does, it is powerful to know that you got yourself there by just taking this enormous risk. It's important, however, to remember to invest fully or wisely. I don't know how best to put it. What I mean by that is ensuring that self-care is folded into the investment that you make in yourself. That means just doing whatever you need to do, basically, to look after yourself. For me, regular massages, that makes such a difference because I hold so much tension in my shoulders. They're like bricks. Taking breaks, taking holidays, buying things that you like, not going overboard and just becoming a sort of material sort of magnet but making sure that life is full, because if life only involves work and your creativity, it's not complete. You do need to have room for other things. You just have to be smart about what those things are and how you acquire them so that your money can still be your friend and be working on your behalf. Do you know what I mean? 
thank you as always to everyone who is supporting the podcast however they're doing it so whether you know you're making one-off donations and contributions through Acast or whether you're a regular on Patreon or um, Cameo you've requested Cameo videos thank you also thank you if you've just done a shout out on social media because adding value doesn't have to be about cash if you've shared this podcast in your Instagram stories, for example, that makes a huge difference because it means that all your followers now see it. And like a branch of a tree, it sort of that's how it's able to grow. So I really appreciate that. Last week, I mentioned that it would be really great to encourage you guys, if it works for you, to financially support the podcast. There's three ways of doing it. Patreon, patreon.com forward slash creative source with Andy Osho, where you can uh, become basically a regular contributor. I also want to try and create a, like a community because when we were doing these um, on Instagram, when we were streaming live on Instagram, what I really loved is how you guys were starting to support each other and we had the projects thing going on. If, if you didn't listen in, what happened basically was that I suggested that people come up with a, a project it related to their creativity that we would check in with them how they were going and so use the group to basically use the energy of the group to encourage them to continue with whatever it is that they were wanting to achieve um, and because the group was so diverse in terms of the types of disciplines that each person had it was just thrilling to see oh this person's created a painting this person has um reduce their running yeah their 1k or 10k running speed or whatever down from such and such to such and such this person's devising a set of meals this person is you know creating a talk about blah 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 so um they you the community and the community spirit the creative community spirit that got created out of um those live streams really helped to fuel people complete on goals that they'd set themselves i love that so i think it's it's time to do that again i'm going to try and figure out a, a space online where we can meet as a community i'm thinking facebook group that's where my head's at but equally i think the space in which some community could gather is as patreons uh patrons on patreon shall i say and lastly, you know, if you want me to make a personalized video, I can do that via the Cameo app. Links to all of this stuff is in the show notes. I've also started putting in links to anything I reference. So, for example, last episode, I talked quite extensively about this book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I'm not on the pay of this guy that wrote the book. Um, but I just think it's such a great resource that it would be worth checking out. So um, I'll put a link in the show notes. But if there's anything I mentioned that you, you want me to direct you to, then just message me on social media so that um, I can do that. Hi, I'm Kalechi Okafor and you're listening to Creative Source with Andy Osho. All right, so let's talk more about how we invest in ourselves. I talked about how we back ourselves and we create a foundation basically by taking time and our resources, money and whatever the else that may be, so that we can achieve the goals that we really want to and fulfill on our dreams. One area that is a really big part of this backing ourselves thing is working for free. But actually working for free is quite a big part of a creative's life in a way that it just isn't for other people who are salaried. You know, it's such a strange thing. 
So let's talk about that because I think it's a really important subject and it's actually more nuanced than some people, um, you know, how some people talk about it because sometimes people say, oh, well, you know, artists should never work for free. We should all have the right to be paid, blah, 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 blah. Well, we don't. Unfortunately, we don't. And if you go back to rejection, the very first thing I talk about is, is this notion that there's more people who want seats at the table than there are seats at the table, basically. So it will never be the case that all artists are paid a living wage. It just isn't possible because also, as I said in that first episode, there's not necessarily a measure of whether someone is qualified to do the thing that they're doing. In fact, the measure of qualification really is whether people will hire you to do it. Because if I've never acted before and I suddenly start putting myself out as an actor, getting headshots done and all the rest of it, and then I get booked as an actor, I'm now essentially qualified to do the job. But anyway, let's not go down this rabbit hole because that's another conversation. The point is working for free is going to be or can be a part of the creative's life, but it doesn't have to be a bad thing. Because sometimes I think people think of it as a negative thing. Sometimes it is not good. Sometimes it's profoundly uncool that people want us to work for free. But sometimes, many times, it can work in our favor. It is one of the biggest investments we can make in ourselves, especially when we're just starting out. Okay, let's listen to what beatboxer and musician SK Shlomo has to say on this subject. Working for free. Oh my days. That is a complicated one because especially if you're a creative like me, if you're a musician, people often expect you to do stuff for free, Uh, especially, you know, oh, it's a charity gig. And it's like, oh, well, how about all those waiting staff and all the kitchen staff and the chefs and the sound engineers and the <laughs> and the people working in the hotel? Are they all having to do their job for free because it's a charity event? No, how come they're getting paid but the but the talent isn't? And that's tricky. Uh, but equally, I often organise charity events myself where I ask people to come and perform for free uh, because. I think it's going to be fun and we're going to do something for a good cause and help people come together. So it is complicated. And I don't know, for me, I have um, certain things I will do for free. If it's like uh, someone like Andy Osho saying, hey, I've got a podcast which is going to help help people and it's going to be fun and you might learn something. I'm like, boom, I'm there. Let's do it for free. Uh, whereas if it's a big corporation saying, could you help us make more money out of the world? I'm like, hmm, well, if you're going to be making money, then I think so should everybody else involved. But when you first start out, you have to do stuff for free. Do you know what I mean? You can't go in there demanding a fee if there's no kind of obvious way how you're going to add financial value to the thing you're doing. So, yeah, if you're just starting out with something and you enjoy it and you love it, by all means, do it for free. I do loads of stuff for free off my own back that I just love to do because I'm going to get to learn stuff and have fun and help people. So, yeah, it's complicated, but working for free is appropriate at sometimes. Other times when you've established yourself and you are going to be adding financial value to something, I think it's totally cool to turn around and say, well, if you're making money, I think everybody else should too. That was SK Shlomo. Uh, You can find out more about him at www.skshlomo.com. That's S-H-L-O-M-O 
Facebook.com. And he does a live stream every single Thursday at half eight in the evening, makes music, um, hosts uh, online raves and is doing online concerts. He's an incredible creative. And oh, he just says some really powerful things, um, which hopefully I'll be able to share with you in future episodes. But what he said right there, that's it. It's so, so true. First of all, what I took from what he said was you have your reason for why you might be working for free. Because sometimes we do it and we haven't quite thought through why we're doing it. And secondly, if some big corporation is saying, help us make money, but yet they want you to work for free, that's when it's like hell to the no. That's when absolutely we should be talking fees and not working for free. Can I just add let me shout out to everyone who has given bite-sized advice for the podcast so far. Every single one of those people has done it for free. So Roshin Conaty, um, Daniel Lawrence Taylor, Papa Esiadu, Lucian M. Samati, Richard Osman, and there's so many great ones coming up as well. And obviously SK has done it for free as well. So big up those folks who gave uh, a little bit of their time to share some knowledge and experience with all of us so that we can all learn and grow. So I really appreciate those guys. So I wanted to share my experience of working for free through the context of stand-up because I think it was a really good, it's a really good example of when it can work, basically. When I started doing stand-up, all the gigs I did were for free because, you know, you basically start out on the open mic circuit and you have no pedigree whatsoever. And so therefore, promoters aren't going to give you cash. And often the punters who are coming to the shows aren't paying a huge amount to come in. So there's not a lot lot of cash to spread around anyways. Once you've paid for marketing, flyering, I don't know, drinks behind the bar. I've never run a, oh, I I did once. I think I did two, but um, I'm not really um, well-versed in running gigs. So I don't know exactly what all the costs are, but I can imagine that there's not a lot of money going around. And furthermore, it benefited me as a newbie to be able to have access to this stage time because I hadn't any. And so if I did that gig, now I can go to the next one and go, oh, I just play such and such room, or I've done 30 gigs now, or I've done a hundred gigs now, or I've done a 10 at blah, blah, blah. You know, so it worked for me to work for free right at the beginning. But as I got more experience and developed as a comedian, I still did the freebies, but the reasons changed. So when you're new and you, you know, obviously I needed the stage time, I needed the experience. But then as I started to get a little bit more notoriety, the reasons became different. So for example, I might want the exposure. So there might be a room where other comedians who run gigs or promoters who run gigs uh, will be at that gig. Or it might be that someone will have you play their room for free and then the next time they'll give you a paid gig. Or it might be you've never played that room before and they just want to see how good you are, whether you're up for it, and then they'll get you on for a paid slot. There's also this thing where at the universities, there's this kind of circuit that some comedians do. I sort of dipped a toe in it, but I didn't really like it because I didn't feel like we were in tune. I felt like a hundred years older than these kids. But sometimes you will need to do a kind of showcase gig for the people that book these uh, uni shows so that they can see whether your material fits, whether you're the right fit for their uni. Because, you know, as you will have maybe seen in the news, in terms of what style of comedy works in universities, we have to now be more sensitive 
to the real diversity of people and ways of being and ways of hearing. Um, I'm not going to sort of comment on, uh, you know, being offended culture and all the rest of it, but all I'll say is that it's different now. And so some comedians simply are not going to work in that field. So you go and do this showcase for free and that can lead to paid work. So that's another reason to work for free. When I was trying out new material, particularly I was on a, on a show called Stand Up for the Week, we would write the jokes from basically Monday and Tuesday and we would record on Wednesday. It would be edited on Thursday and broadcast on Friday. It was a very fast turnaround show. I would go and find gigs on the Monday night. I mean, the producers laid on gigs for us to do, but I would do extra gigs after that to try out my material. I never got paid for those gigs because they were a benefit to me. I needed the gig, you know, because I, I I was going to be performing this essentially like with barely any rehearsal on the Wednesday. So the more gigs that I could get on the Monday and the Tuesday, the better the Wednesday gig would be for me. I wanted to give myself the best chance of delivering. And so to do that, I had to get a bunch of free gigs. You might want to work for free as a favor. So sometimes people would say, oh, I've got a new night that I'm promoting. Could you come and do this gig? It's quite small to start with. So help me out. And then, you know, in future, there might be a paid gig in it. Cool. And then I'll make it work for me. Maybe I'll use it for new material. And as Shlomo mentioned, charity gigs. Now I completely concur with his way of thinking. It's just like, I don't mind working for free for a charity. I just don't appreciate it when it's a default that it's assumed that I will work for free. Because like he said, well, you're getting paid, you work for the charity and you get paid. And, you know, charity executives earn a lot of money and not every charity is beholden to pass on the money that they receive. I think they only have to pass on like 40% or something like that. So charities make a lot of money. They also do a lot of good. I'm not writing on on charities, but um, I don't love the assumption that of course we'll work for free because we're not all flush here. We're not all necessarily rolling in cash to the point where we can do that. It's got to be on our own conscience to decide whether to do a charity gig and to offer what we do normally for money to do it for free. Another reason we might do something for free is for fun. We might actually just enjoy this thing and just think, do you know what? I would love to do this. And in fact, that's what Shlomo was talking about. He was talking about sometimes things are just fun or you just feel like, gosh, I just want to help out, which is another reason that he was, I suppose that comes under the domain of a favor really, but that was the reason that he um, got involved with this podcast and gave his um, words of advice is because he was saying, you know, that that's going to help people. That's going to support people in their journeys. So there are circumstances in which it is okay to not be paid. We just, as people uh, who are investing in ourselves by working for free, need to know why we're doing it. That is the most important thing, not whether or not you do it, but knowing why. And then when we're clear on that, it's very easy to make a decision as to whether you participate in something without um, financial reward or not. Normally I do the um, listeners comments a bit earlier on, but this time I'm going to take Titus's one at the end because it leads very nicely into what next episode is going to be about. So Titus says in his job as an offline editor, he's been paid the going rate typically, but sometimes he discovers that there's a higher rate, but he doesn't feel like he can ask. 
because he feels like this higher rate feels like a crazy amount of money, like he's cheating someone. He says he finds it super hard to push for the higher rate as he feels one often needs to strike the balance between self-respect and not losing the job. Uh, and then he also says in his own creative endeavors, he's um, recently completed a high end printed folio of his artwork that's been literally years in the making. And he's felt stalled and paralyzed because he didn't know what to charge. He says he's scared to charge too much, but equally he's scared to charge too little. I think that is the perfect place to end because next week we are going to talk about negotiating, talking about fees. Because as creatives, it is highly unlikely that we're going to receive a fixed fee, which means that we're going to have to negotiate. And that means really confronting our self-worth, our negotiating skills, our relationship with money, all these things come into play because that is the crunch point. It doesn't matter whether you want the job or not, how much people want to hire you, whether you're qualified or not, competent or not, have the time to do. The crunch point is agreeing the terms by which you are going to fulfill on this job that you've been asked to do or that you've been asked, can I do this job for you? So we're going to talk about that next week. We also talk about negotiating for when you're buying stuff, because that's as much a part of our relationship with money as negotiating our fees. And it's just as important. Why would you want to pay more than you have to if you don't have to? So until then, just keep thinking and being present to money and how it is in your world, how you relate to it. How do you see it? How easily does it flow through your fingers? How easily does it come to you? How do you feel about it, basically? Because if you have uh, ways of seeing it that are holding you back or not benefiting you, even though that is going to orientate how money flows to you or how it doesn't, it is unlearnable. It is changeable. But what we have to do is shine the light of consciousness, shine the light of our consciousness onto it so that those things can change. All right, that's all for this week. But join me in the next episode where I'm literally going to walk you through step by step the things that you need to do to get the fee that you want. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in again. Thanks for your comments and thoughts and responding to my shout outs for, you know, listener comments and ideas. Also, massive thank you to Titus for sharing really candidly about his relationship with asking for fees. Thank you, SK Shlomo, for your really wise words about working for free. It's not a simple topic. And I think you broke down some of the key things for people to think about. Uh, thank you, Martin, for your editing to Clydesdale uh, Music for the music that goes with every podcast. And I will see you guys next week to carry on the conversation about money. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. 
Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I hope you enjoyed that episode of Creative Source. If you're looking for more support with your creative journey, I'm offering one-to-one online mentoring. Perhaps you want to launch a project but don't know where to start. Maybe you've got stuck around a certain issue, need some advice, or just want to bounce ideas around. Whatever it is, I'm here. Just hit the Patreon link in the show notes or go to patreon.com forward slash creative source with Andy Osho to find out more.